0: Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear and eyes to see the many ways that God pours mercy into our lives. Hold me up, God, that I might lift you up. Amen. Hear now the gospel of Jesus Christ according to Luke. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Let us give thanks to God for the reading of this holy scripture. Thanks be to God. Have mercy on us. These ten lepers happen upon Jesus as they're wandering between, in the region between Samaria and Galilee. Except that there really is no region between Samaria and Galilee, unless you maybe count that little sliver of land that is called the Decapolis, that's on the western side of um, the Jordan River. But um, it seems like Luke has a little bit of a challenge when it comes to geography, which I'm not throwing stones, I'm not judging. My GPS is my very best friend. I don't go anywhere without it. Regardless, it seems apparent that these people are on the outskirts. They are far removed from the center of their communities. Incidentally, what the New Revised Standard Version translates as 10 lepers approached him is best translated as 10 men who had leprosy approached him, which I love. Do you all hear the difference? It's not 10 lepers, but 10 men who had leprosy. Luke is very careful to make these sorts of distinctions all throughout his gospel. When he tells the story of the paralytic, the Greek literally translated says the man who was paralyzed, not the paralytic. He's very careful to avoid using language that represents people as one-dimensional or that defines a person based on one circumstance or reality of their life, which is wonderful because when we do that, we tend to dehumanize people. The effect of which is it makes it a lot easier for us to dismiss entire groups of people. It's as if Luke intuits that our compassion for others grows or increases when we think of them as multi-dimensional. When we think of someone as a person who has leprosy as opposed to a leper, or as someone who experiences homelessness as opposed to being a homeless person. All of these things help us to see people as fully human and to have more compassion for them, rather than reducing our thoughts and our speech to um, something more simple or or that labels somebody. So Luke, he's very careful about his language and you see it throughout his gospel. He says here that these people who had leprosy, they were wandering along the outskirts of society. They were banned from living within the larger community because they had an illness that was contagious. They didn't want to infect other people. So keeping their distance they called out to Jesus, Jesus, have mercy on us. They knew they were in need of mercy. Leprosy, except in very rare cases, was thought to be incurable. So their isolation was essentially a life sentence. But apparently they'd heard enough about Jesus's ministry that they held out hope that he might be able to cure them. So they called out, have mercy on us. We're all in need of mercy, aren't we? Sometimes we're more acutely aware of our need for mercy than other times. Most of us at some point in our lives have felt isolated. We felt at a distance on the outskirts of our community. Maybe because we had a a contagious physical illness. I know at my house, somebody gets the stomach flu, they are absolutely quarantined. We are not allowed... To intersect, We call from a distance to one another if there's a need or we text each other. There is no physical contact. All the schools that my children have ever been to have mandated that if children have a fever or they're throwing up, they're to stay at home until they've been free of symptoms for at least 24 hours. One, uh, another thing that can happen is that we can have an illness that compromises our immune system, which makes it risky for us to be around other people. Or maybe we've had an injury or a surgery that takes a long time to heal. We have many members of our congregation that for one reason or another find it very difficult to be present physically among us. We can also feel emotionally isolated. You can be in a room full of people and feel completely alone. I experience that sitting on the front row sometimes here in the church. (laughs) Thankfully, I have Kurt sitting beside me today. <laughs> but there are conditions that we can experience, things like depression or other forms of mental illness or addiction, for example. Or it could be that we've experienced the loss of a job. Or when someone experiences divorce. Or when we're grieving, all of these things can be very isolating. Maybe when we have, if we have low self-esteem or we have a low sense of self-worth. We may keep our distance, emotionally or physically. When I was in my teens and 20s, people would tell me, after they'd gotten to know me a little bit better, that their first impression of me was that I was stuck up or that I was conceited. They felt like I was difficult to approach, that I kept to myself. It was true. I often felt alone, especially in groups of people, because I was insecure. I didn't trust that people would want to know me or would want to spend time with me. My first year of college was pretty painful. I felt like a social leper. Maybe you felt this way before. I'm the Star Trek fan. (laughs) All of us have those situations where we don't feel like we can fully be our authentic selves in situations. We keep our distance. Jesus sees the 10 who have leprosy and he tells them to go show themselves to the priest, which when you first hear that, it can sound kind of like Jesus is just blowing them off. But actually this was first century shorthand for you have been healed. Because in the rare case that a person was healed of leprosy, that's exactly what they were supposed to do is to go and see the priest. The priest would examine them and certify that they were indeed healed so that they could re-enter the community. All of the ten lepers did exactly that. They headed to the priest, and along the way, Scripture says, they were made clean. And one of the ten, a Samaritan, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back and he praised God. When he saw Scripture says. The Greek that's translated here as saw is the same word that was translated just a verse or two ago when Luke said that Jesus saw the ten lepers. And this seeing, it's more than just interpreting light that is reflected on the lens of our eyes. Sherlock Holmes is famous for saying, My dear Watson, you see but you do not observe. In the TV series, Sherlock is depicted as someone who rapidly perceives deeper meaning or significance through the complex relationship between all that he sees than most, certainly more so than Watson. We all often miss the deeper significance or the more complex connections inherent to what we see. Those of us who have reasonable physical sight, we see. What's within our scope of vision? But how many of us or to what extent do each of us actually fully and deeply perceive? And the way we perceive what we see matters. It says, The bittersweet meeting of perception and reality. I'm not sure either of them is saved. The scene referred to in the story in our scripture today is a supernatural sort of scene. It's a revelation, a spiritual perception. It's a divine sort of sight. Jesus saw the ten deeply, even from a distance. And he perceived their need and he had mercy on them. And then the one saw, more acutely than the other nine, saw at sort of an experiential level with the eyes of faith that this healing he had experienced was indeed an act of God's mercy. And the revelation so pierced him that he was compelled to turn back, to give glory to God, and then seeing Jesus through the eyes of faith, fell on his face at Jesus' feet, offering his life as an act of thanksgiving. It's as if his expression of gratitude was an act of faith. Certainly it's an expression of his utter dependence on God for the mercy and grace that he'd received. This faith made him well. Jesus says. So I want to point out that in our story, we've read that the ten were made clean on the way to the priest and that the one saw that he was healed and then this man's faith made him well. These are three different Greek words that are used in this scripture. One translated clean, one is healed, the other as made well. All of them, different acts of mercy. But the word that's translated made well in this last verse, the Greek word is sozo. Many of you have probably heard that word. It's the same word that's translated all throughout the Gospels as saved. These last words of our story in other biblical translations more accurately read your faith, Has saved you. All ten were cleansed. All ten were healed. And this one who saw, who perceived that this healing was an act of God's mercy, who then gave glory to God and thanked Jesus, he is the one who experienced. Being saved. One in ten. Y'all in Vegas, those may be great odds. But when it comes to experiencing salvation, I know we want to up the odds. I know we do. And Luke, he makes it clear all throughout his gospel that God's mercy is for all people. That's why there's this emphasis on the Samaritan being the one who saw and perceived what this healing actually was. Because from the perception of a Jewish person in that time, that would have been the least likeliest person to have received it, to have seen it so clearly. Samaritans and Jews, they they have the same heritage. They're both descendants of Abraham, both believe in the one God, both claim the Torah, Torah or the first five books of what we call the Old Testament as Holy Scripture, though the Samaritan's version and the Jewish version are slightly different. But there's this long-held tension between Samaritans and Jews. They have different convictions about how and where to worship. They have different practices when it comes to their cleanliness laws. So when Jesus marvels that this one, this Samaritan, saw and returned and gave thanks the emphasis is not on a disapproval or whatever of the way that the Jews didn't perceive. It's a heightening of an emphasis on the fact that the one that they would have found least likely has received this salvation. It's an important reminder for all of us, and we all experience God's mercy all the time, but how often do we see it? How often do we perceive it? How often do we see with divine sight the revelation of God at work in our lives? How often is it crystal clear to us that God's grace is always and already at work in our lives? In my own life, I bet the odds are a lot less than 1 in 10. I'm sure that I fail to see God much more often than I see God in my life. Which makes me wonder, what do I do about that? I want to see. I want to perceive. I want to have this divine sight, these eyes of faith. I wonder if gratitude, if giving thanks to God is an act of faith, as Luke seems to suggest, might we up the odds of seeing with eyes of faith? if we make a spiritual practice of gratitude, if we intentionally seek out opportunities to give thanks, to recognize all that we have and all that we are as gift from God. Y'all, Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem. That's what our story says at the very beginning. For those of us who have read the Gospels, we know what this means. This is the beginning of the end for Jesus. He's now turned toward the last days and events of his life that will lead to the crucifixion. God's greatest and most universal act of mercy. Jesus' sacrifice, the cross, is for the whole world. But how many see how many really perceive with the eyes of faith this glorious act of mercy that God extends to all of us? And until we see, until we perceive with the help of the Holy Spirit, with the eyes of faith, we don't know deeply in our guts and experience the transformation that changes everything that compels us to turn back over and over again to glorify God and to lay our lives at the feet of Jesus as an act of thanksgiving. One in ten. I pray that God would help us all to see that in Jesus Christ, Each of us, everyone beats the odds. Let us pray. As we pray, I invite you to open your palms to turn them up as a sign of your desire to give yourselves more fully to God. And I invite you to speak these words quietly after me to yourself. Merciful God. Thank you so much for your gift of grace. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for revealing yourself and your love and acceptance of me through him. Please, God, give me eyes to see and know this truth so deeply in my gut that I can't help but glorify you and lay my whole self, my whole life at Jesus' feet. Amen.